Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. A practical show done by a practical guy and that is me. Welcome to episode number 585. Coming out on February 27th, 2022. I got a great question and answer episode for you. Recently I put out the question to all my listeners asking for some feedback on what topics that they would like to hear in other words what questions do you have for me i got some great responses that's the topic in fact this is probably going to have to be two two podcasts probably two episodes this show is brought to you by keepers concealment i'll probably be talking a little bit about them a little bit more in this episode, the leading authorities, authorities on appendix carry. Look no further than Keeper's Concealment for all of your appendix carry holsters and needs and training. And you need to have legal protection. And they are also an affiliate of CCW Safe. So check that out. You can go to handgunworld.com, get the direct link. Keeper's Concealment and CCW Safe KC10 off is your coupon code let's get right into it so i'm going to give out the first name of everybody who sent me a question now some people are on facebook and i figure since they put it on facebook then they probably don't mind that they've asked the question and i'm sharing it with the group but i'm still only going to use first names let me start pretty much in order the way that the questions came to me james says to me he writes what is the single most important thing that you train or practice what a great question to start off with the first topic in this episode i practice drawing from my holster my concealment holster of choice and putting two rounds on target that's the single most important thing that i train In my opinion, nothing's more important than getting your gun out when you need it and putting two rounds on target, minimum two. And I have a step-up drill that I'm going to talk about in just a, a few minutes that I like to practice. But I believe you got to be efficient and fast drawing your gun out of the holster. What good is it if you can't get it out of the holster quickly when you need it? What good is it? How much time are you going to have? Probably not much. So I think it's vitally important. Draw the gun and get two or three hits where they're supposed to be, not just blasting away. So I practice the way that I conceal carry, which right now at this moment is in a concealment solutions outside the waistband holster. That's another sponsor. Concealment Solutions Cobra. That's the way I carry most of the time. I carry strong side hip at about 3 or 3.30 position outside the waistband. Concealed with an untucked shirt. And I practice drawing that 
and getting two or three rounds on target. Now, I do this dry fire. I do it live fire. I practice it from sitting. I practice it from standing. Occasionally, I practice it when I'm in my vehicle and I'm parked in a safe area with an unloaded gun. And I always practice this with an unloaded gun until I go to the range. And yes, I live fire practice this. And I think you have to do both, dry fire and live fire. But James, that's the answer to my question. I really believe that is the single most important technique. And that's why I practice it. Shooting groups is great. Shooting fast is good. Shooting good split times that's great. Shooting on the move, that's really good. I've, I've taught a lot of people how to do that. All the techniques that you know are very good, even reloading a handgun, clearing malfunctions, but you got to be efficient getting it out of the holster quickly. How fast? Have you ever measured yourself? Have you ever used a timer? For those of you who are members of our Shooters Club, you will see me and Ben Branham doing this. You'll see us at the range practicing this. And uh, my, my fastest time to draw and put two rounds into a six-inch circle, I believe the distance was at seven yards, was about 2.84 seconds. Now, I need to be faster than that. That's a little bit too slow. But that's... You know, that's my baseline. That's what I can do normally. Sometimes I can get below that. And then, of course, sometimes it's a little bit above that. But I need to shrink that down. Now, that includes drawing from concealment, from a concealment garment. And I believe I fired three rounds. Three rounds from seven yards into a six-inch circle, 2.87 seconds. It's got to be faster than that. I need to... My next goal is to get that down to 2.5. You don't have much time, probably, in a gunfight. Okay, another question. Glenn, actually this was Glenn Tate. Glenn Tate asked me, is a good defensive round 380? Is that ammo a viable self-defense round? Actually, his question, I messed it up. Is good defensive 380 ammo a viable self-defense round? Now, I don't know if Glenn is... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what his intent was here on asking that question. You, you got to bring up the caliber wars, don't you, Glenn? Uh, he's a character. I love Glenn Tate, author of the 299 Days book series. I've read many of them. Glenn has been a guest on this show many, many times. He has his own podcast. I'll give him a shout out, prepping2-0.com, uh, the Prepping 2.0 podcast. Check him out. Good stuff. Really good stuff. Okay, Glenn, I'm going to talk about caliber. I hate talking about caliber, but I'm going to do it anyway because you're a great guy, Glenn. You asked the question, and uh, so for you, I'm going to answer that question. The 380 round. Well, okay, let me get controversial. I, I have no problem with controversy. I never shy away from controversy so here we go Glenn I'm gonna say for the most part yes yes I believe good defensive 380 ammo is a viable 
defensive round. Now, I'm not going to say that it should be your preferred method. Glenn's question is, is it viable? I believe it's viable, yeah. And I'm going to explain why. But I don't think that that should be your first choice. If you have the ability to carry 9mm or 40 caliber or 45 or 357 Magnum or even 38 Special, I would pick any of those over 380. I have three 380 pistols. And I use very good ammo. I either use Federal HST or I use Precision 1 or I use Corbon ammo. And I have seen people shoot that 380 round and I've seen it mess some things up. I've seen it shot into uh, different objects and I've watched a lot of tests into ballistic gelatin and even shooting through de a denim and I've seen a lot of people shoot that round. And I can tell you what, I would not want to be shot with a 380. It's going to do more than piss them off. There are plenty of examples of people who have defended themselves with 380 pistols. Especially Ruger LCPs. So, it works. Yes, it works. It can be a viable defensive round. I'm not going to say that it's preferred, but there's good ammo. There's real good ammo that is designed and engineered very well. Somebody asked, well, should we carry 380, uh, 380 full metal jacket for better penetration? Or is it better to use hollow points? Uh, Randy asked that. My friend Randy, a former student of mine, Randy, shout out to you. I hope everything up there is going well for you. It's good to hear from you. I wouldn't carry ball ammo in 380. I wouldn't carry ball ammo for penetration purposes. I think the good ammunition that we have today, I mean, after all, it's a 380, okay? Uh, and even though hardball might penetrate, more than hollow points it's i'm kind of of the opinion that a hollow point is probably going to have more more effect the terminal ballistics of it's probably going to have a little bit more smack than maybe ball ammo would and i'm just not a good i'm not a big fan of carrying full metal jacket also commonly called ball ammunition for anything other than using that for practicing and training not a big fan of using full metal jacket for any kind of self-defense reasons. I'm going to take my chances with a 380 self-defense round that I, that I just mentioned before. You know, if I'm going to step down to carry 380, and that's what 380 is, I believe it's a step down, don't you? I mean, it's a compromise. How many of you would agree on that? It's a compromise. So if I'm going to compromise then I understand that the ammunition is going to compromise myself anyway. But it's better than nothing. So I'm going to still use hollow points, Randy, in 380. And I'm going to trust that 
you know I've 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 jumped down in the in the power of my handgun but then again most 380s are relatively easy to shoot and so I may be more effective placing rounds where they need to go if you place the the bullets if you place the rounds if you have good shooting fundamentals and good shooting technique where the bullet hits is more important than what the caliber is that's just my opinion now you folks tune into this show because you want to hear my opinions and I'm always very open-minded I'm a very open-minded guy so if if you have something contrary to what I say and you want to share it by all means share it and I will listen I will read I will digest whatever it is that you send and I may even talk about it on the show I might have you on the show to talk about it whatever you would like so there's my answer to Randy and Glenn about the 380 okay what's next okay Dave Dave put a comment and a question and he says this John Korea of active self-protection has recently talked about reaction times for a bad guy who is looking at you if they're looking at you you have you have to have a 0.60 draw to the first shot remember earlier I was talking about drawing my gun and putting the first shot on target I I can't do it in 0.60 seconds if they start to turn their nose away from you then you need a one second draw to the first shot and if they slow if they show you their ear then you get them you can get them with a one and a half second draw to the first shot if you see the back of their head then you can be as slow as two seconds with that in mind what is your average draw to first shot and the distance we're talking about is three to seven yards in dry fire mine is right around 1.5 seconds okay that's pretty good Dave maybe a touch under but I need to get to a range and figure that out me too so I'm gonna answer Dave's question like this I me too I need to get to a range and figure that out now normally I practice the step-up drill the step-up drill is kind of a drill that I created so the first the first drill is shooting it cold in other words I've not warmed up I step up I draw and I put one shot on target and usually I'm doing five to seven yard distances so I need to get this dialed in I need to figure out what I've never done with this is I've never measured my cold draw time draw and shoot and put one shot on target where it needs to be 1.5 seconds is pretty good uh, I believe I can do that, but I'm going to get out to the range. I'm going to make a YouTube video on it. So be watching my YouTube channel. I'd like to invite you to subscribe to my YouTube channel anyway. I just put some new videos up there. And I'll also do a special episode for all Patreon and Shooters Club members. I'm going to expand on this drill. So anybody who's a supporter of my show by becoming a $3 a month Patreon or an $8 a month Shooters Club you will get to see an extended version there's a big difference between patreon and shooters club by the way so you do get what you pay for if you choose to support my show but one and a half seconds i definitely i believe i can do that but i'm going to prove it and i i have no problem putting my results on video i i don't have a problem with that in fact it keeps me sharp 
one of the best things you, to keep you sharp is to put your results out there so that other people can see it. And my step-up drill goes like this. So after I stand there and I'm cold, in other words, I haven't done any practicing, I draw and I put one shot on target from a distance of five yards. Then I reholster. When the buzzer goes off, I draw and I fire two. So I've stepped it up by one shot. And then I reholster and I'm keeping track of my times. Then I draw and I fire three. Put it back in the holster. And shots that don't go on target, which is about a six inch circle, they don't count. So I penalize myself about a half a second for each one that does not go on target. Then I draw and fire four. So I'm stepping up the rounds that I shoot each time. The last part of the drill, draw and fire five. And so I'm going to put this on video. It's my goal in the next two to three weeks, Dave, to put this on video. The most important being the one that you shoot when, when you're cold, when you haven't had a chance to warm up. Because that's going to be real life, folks, is how can you shoot it cold? How well can you do it without any practice? You're not going to have any practice in a gunfight, I doubt. I doubt that you're going to have any practice in a gunfight. What do you think? So how well can you do this with no practice? It's the first time you're drawing out of the holster and you're putting a round on target. Um, I believe I can, I can probably do 1.5, Dave. And then I need to improve. I, I'm personally, I think it probably should be under a second. And depending on what the bad guy is doing, it does give you more time. Uh, according to John Korea, he says you got to have 0 0.60. Yeah, I mean, John does good work. So that's, I believe that too. And if the bad guy's turning his head or you're, you know, he's turning away or whatever, you got more time. Of course, you got more time. Now, Scott responded to Dave in that question and said, well, that's based on the theory that one shot will instantly stop an aggressor, which is not likely. Wow, what a great comment that Scott put out there. Yeah, that is based on the theory that one shot will stop an aggressor. Well, it doesn't always work that way, does it? It does not. It's proven that one shot, there, there, there's, it's, a, it's a fallacy, it's a myth. One shot stops are a myth. Because you can't count on them. It might work. One shot might stop. The bad guy it might work and it might not work so if it doesn't work have you practiced more than one shot that's why I like the step-up drill that I created draw fire one reholster draw fire two reholster draw fire three reholster draw fire four reholster and finally draw fire five because one shot may not stop the aggressor so how good can you be firing multiple shots, drawing your gun out of the holster? Now keep in mind, the way you conceal carry is going to affect your time. If you carry inside the waistband behind your hip, for example, that's a much more difficult draw. That's a far more difficult draw. 
It's more difficult than what I do. I carry outside the waistband in an all-kydex holster at 3 o'clock position. In other words, right on my side. And I like to use a straight drop holster or one with very, very little cant. Um, recently, Dwayne Thomas, I really like Dwayne Thomas, the gun writer and excellent competitive shooter, on his YouTube channel. He talked about doing the same thing that I do. He's been doing it a whole lot longer than I have. But he carries in a straight drop holster. Straight drop means that your holster does not cant or tilt the gun at all. It's a faster draw and a much easier draw. Those of you who appendix carry, you appendix carry in a straight drop holster. Now, appendix carry is going to be most of the time faster than behind the hip, except when you carry outside the waistband. I believe I can draw from, an, from outside the waistband just as fast as I can from appendix carry. And I've, text, I've text, tested it, excuse me, many times. And I'm no faster from the appendix position inside the waistband than I am outside the waistband at 3 o'clock in a straight drop holster. Okay. Next question. William. He asks, what's your best advice, Bob, for dealing with arthritis in the hand? Suggestions for old newbie shooters or older. Sorry, I didn't mean to call anybody old. So he has two questions. I'll answer that one. Well, then he goes on to say, is a PMR-30 a reasonable gun for older arthritis sufferers or is a Smith & Wesson Shield EZ in 380 or 9mm superior to that? Okay, again, these are my opinions. I'm going to talk about arthritis. Actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about injuries. Uh, I have had surgeries before. I had a shoulder surgery that even though it was in my left shoulder, believe it or not, uh, it's a little harder to clear a cover garment with my left hand after I've just had shoulder surgery. <laughs> Makes it pretty tough and painful, as a matter of fact. And I do have arthritis. I have arthritis in my hands now. I just, I, I learned to deal with it. And I have arthritis in my elbow as well. Um, so... William, the best advice, uh, take a lot of a leave. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. The best advice for dealing with arthritis in the hand. Obviously, a low recoiling gun. And I would say the specific answer to your question, a Smith & Wesson Shield EZ, I far and away out-recommend that gun over something like a PMR-30. As a matter of fact, the Smith & Wesson Shield EZ in 380 or 9mm, I prefer 9mm, it is a great gun. I will say this, I had a friend of my parents wanted to get a gun and she uh, has arthritis and she's not very strong and it's very painful for her to shoot. She totally likes the Smith & Wesson Shield, easy. She got hers in 380. But she totally likes it. A Glock 42 is another good one. A Glock 42 and 380 is an excellent gun for somebody that's got arthritis. 
at least regarding the recoil. Now the Smith & Wesson Shield EZ, it's going to be easier to rack the slide than the Glock 42, although the Glock 42 is not too difficult. That recoil spring in a Glock 42 is not very strong, not like most 9mm, especially not like the compact 9mm guns. So racking that slide on a, on a Smith & Wesson EZ 380, that's, that's you know, William, you kind of answered your own question. In my opinion, you answered your own question. And that, and that is being the Smith & Wesson Shield EZ is probably good advice and a good idea if you have arthritis in your hands, elbow, whatever. Or if you're an older newbie shooter. So there you go. Okay, Scott asks, are red dots truly beneficial in self-defense situations? Wow, that's a, that's a really loaded question, Scott. I know you asked that on purpose, didn't you? So you could hear me pontificate about that. And there is no real clear answer. I'm not going to give you a clear answer. I'm just going to do the best I can to share what I think is an, an, an opinion from experience. So here goes, Scott. I've tested it both ways. I've tested it with red dot, and I've tested it without a red dot. I purchased and shot and carried a red dot Glock 19 for nearly two years. I had a Trigicon RM07 dot on that gun. I have been shooting iron sights far longer than with an optic. Far far, a whole lot more rounds and a lot more practice and a lot more training without a red dot. So having said that, I have to give an edge to the iron sights for me. Now, there are people that make the red dots work better. In a self-defense situation, Scott, your question depends, in my opinion, what is the distance? If the distance is from two to seven yards, I've practiced this extensively. I did not get much benefit from the optic, from the red dot. I shouldn't call it a red dot anymore because there are excellent optics with green dots. They did not help me within close distances, two to seven yards. Once I get past seven yards, once I got out there to eight to 10 to 12 to 15 yards, the optic was great. But I had a little bit more time to make those shots. And you will in a self-defense situation, you'll have more time to make a 10 to 12 yard shot. Now, be real careful with that. Be very careful because if your adversary is past 10 yards, you better have a really good and clear cut reason for using your gun. It better be a really, really good self-defense situation. I mean, it needs to be clean and tight with no margin of error there if you're going to take a shot beyond 10 yards and call it self-defense by the law of self-defense. And by the way, you need to read that book. Read that book that Andrew Bronco wrote, The Law of Self-Defense. 
and I've also attended Andrew's lectures. So it's you better be able to articulate and explain why you took that shot and you're going to have more time to do it. I think in a close distance, Scott, the red dot could slow you down unless you have an immense amount of practice. Red dots take a lot of practice. You know, a lot of people, Scott, this brings me to a topic that I have spoken about before. And that is, can you buy skill? A lot of people try to purchase skill. They try to purchase devices and things that they put on their gun to make them shoot better. Okay, They want to buy skill. They want to go to the store and they want to buy something and stick it on their gun, their handgun, and voila, magically, they shoot better. That rarely happens. An optic on your handgun can make you shoot better if you put the time in and if you put the training in. And if you put the practice in and you get some training in the first place, it can be a great tool. A red dot can be a great tool if you put the time in, if you put the training in, if you've practiced. I took a three dot red dot pistol, excuse me, a three day red dot pistol training class that John Payne from Suarez International taught. Since I took that class, I was a much better shot with that red dot. Mine truly was a red dot. It was a Trijicon RM07 red dot. I was better, but that's because I took a three-day class. It was about an 800-round class. You know what one of the most common complaints that I've heard I've been doing this now since 2005, almost 17 years. I've been shooting, training, competing, and doing some instructing along the way. The most common complaint that I hear, two most common complaints that I hear about optics is the first one, I can't find the dot. When somebody draws their gun and there's a little bit of a delay before the first shot, Afterwards, when they're done shooting, they say, I, I couldn't find the dot. I couldn't find the dot. The reason they couldn't find the dot is they have not practiced enough drawing and presenting their gun. That's why they couldn't find the dot. It doesn't have anything to do with the dot itself. It doesn't have anything to do with the gun or the grip angle or the size of the window or anything like that. They just haven't practiced. And the second most or the second biggest complaint I've heard about optics is I was never able to find the dot. Oh, guess what? My dot didn't show up because my red dot is not working or my optic is not working. It's off. The battery's dead. It's malfunctioning. Something's up. I've seen, I've seen them come loose and then they don't work. Okay, maybe they weren't mounted properly. Optics are very high quality these days. The top manufacturers, Trijicon, Holison, Leopold, they make great stuff, but sometimes it's user error. So what good is it if it slows you down or you can't find it, you can't find the dot, or it's not working? Now, iron sights are not perfect. I've seen front sights come off of guns. 
I've never had a front sight come off my gun, an iron sight, but I've had it come loose and shift over to the left side, and of course, that threw my shooting off. So irons are no, I shouldn't say they're no better in terms of reliability. I do think they're probably still a little bit more reliable, but they, they can fail. The tritium vials in night sights can wear out or become defective, and then you no longer have any night sights. Fiber optic sights. I've had those little vials inside of a fiber optic sight. I've had them come out on me. So I no longer have a fiber optic sight. I have just a plain black, which, by the way, I can shoot. I can shoot just black on black sights. I did that for three years when I first started competitive shooting. My sights on my Glock 34 were black on black, black rear, black front. That was it. I didn't have any fiber optic. So, you know, you might want to train yourself to do that. Those little fiber optic inserts on your front sights, those are cheap. And they're most of the time easy to replace. Take it out of there and shoot your gun without it. I think the reason you should do that and practice that is what happens if it fails. Always test everything to the point of failure. So, Scott, I hope I sort of answered your question. Are red dots truly beneficial? Who knows? For some people, they are. And for some people, they're not. Okay, another question that was put on my Facebook feed from John... John asks a great question. He asks, what is the airspeed of an unladen swallow? Oh, man. You know, that's a question I have never heard before, John. And that's a great one. Uh, thanks for the good laugh, John. I appreciate that. It's always good to have humor in a situation, isn't it? Okay. Here's a question that I want to follow up. Uh, to Pete and I answered his question a little bit on Facebook when he when he asked it and I want to finish this episode with this question there are more questions and they will be pushed to next week there are some real good questions on here and I'm going to put them push them off to next week because I don't want this episode to get too long but I got to talk about this question Okay, let me scroll down here and get right to it. I want to I want to read it word for word and then talk about this. Pete asks the question. Do you have any regret purchases? Pete said, "I purchased a pistol and didn't research enough and I regret it still today. I have since gotten rid of it." But I learned a lesson about research, and not all companies are good, nor do they stand behind their products. Pete, thank you for asking this question. I don't have any regret purchases. In other words, I don't have any guns that I regret buying. I do have a couple of regret sales. I have some guns that I've sold that I regret that I sold. So this is sort of an answer to your question, Pete. Let me talk about those. How many of you right now listening to me have a regret purchase or a regret sale? 
Let me talk about my regret sales. I once owned a Sig Sauer RCS 451911. It was a, a real nice carry gun. It was aluminum frame. I don't know if you're familiar with the Sig RCS line. They don't make them anymore. Just a fantastic all-around gun. You can look it up on the internet. I regret selling that thing. And I got a really good deal on it. I regret selling it. Yeah, I know. It was a 1911, but everybody needs a 1911. Okay, I'll just put that out there. Everybody needs a 1911. Everybody needs a 1911. Everybody needs a, uh, an AR-15. Everybody needs an AK. Everybody needs a lever gun. Everybody needs a revolver. Everybody needs a striker-fired 9mm. These are just must-haves, folks. You know, it's you just must-haves. And there's two of what I just mentioned I don't have, so I guess I need to get with the program, right? Should have never sold the SIG RCS. And I used to have a revolver, and I sold it, and I should have never done that either. And it's my goal to get, to buy that same type of revolver. It was a snub nose 38 that I should have kept. It was a Smith & Wesson 642 Performance Center. And during a weak moment, I sold that. Should not have done that. So I'm probably going to set a goal to see if I can pick up a good deal on a Smith & Wesson 642 snub-nosed revolver, the Performance Center model. I like it. It's very well done. Has a great trigger. It's got some good polishing on it, good grips. It's just a really nice little J-frame revolver. Everybody needs one of those. Okay? So those are a couple of regret sales, Pete. And I'd like to hear from you folks. You can go to Facebook and you can put comments or you can send me an email, handgunworld at gmail.com. Send me an email question. If you want to add to the question and answer show, because this is part one, part two is going to be next week. Part three, if I if the questions still keep coming, will be out in a couple of weeks. What kind of feedback do you have? So send me the uh, questions. I'll do the best I can to throw my answers and occasional opinions in there. And I'd like to hear from you. That's it. That's pretty much all I wanted to cover in this episode, folks. And I'm getting pretty close to the time limit that I like to use as a self-imposed time limit. Having said all this, remember, shoot straight, shoot safe, read your Bible every day, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you.